0: Hello everyone, I'm Mike Fina, the Executive Director of the Oklahoma Municipal League and today we are filming our very first Legislative Update and joining me is our Deputy Director and Head of Legislative Affairs, Missy Dean. How are you Missy? I'm
1: doing well, how are you? Good. Good.
0: So we have come to the first deadline of the second session of the 56th edition of the Oklahoma Legislature. We're also currently in a special session. And now that we've reached the first deadline, Missy, what are your impressions of the first half of the session?
1: Well, it's a lot of activity going on. We um, started out with uh, 4,000 bills that we had to track, and now we are down to 850, so it makes our job a lot easier. That
0: is a significant reduction. Yes. So So some of the bills that that we have had to send our grip alerts or our action alerts out on um, that we've called our municipal officials to action on, I want to talk about some of those. Two in particular, Senate Bill 1272 and 1259, that would have given counties more authority over municipalities. Talk to us about those bills.
1: Okay, well, 1272 by Senator Dom would have allowed the counties, after a tax sale, to give detention ponds or green belts back to the municipality um, to take care of, or they would invoice the municipality for uh, the county's taking care of that property. Um, we felt like that was unnecessary and the counties have more funding revenue sources than we do. And so uh, we worked to try to stop that bill and we defeated it on the Senate floor by a vote of 16 to 26.
0: So we don't anticipate seeing either of those issues coming back.
1: Well, I hope not. <laughs> you, nothing is ever dead until sine die,
0: right? that's true so another bill that that you and i worked on together was senate bill 1279 and that was the uh, tax increment financing bill that would have drastically changed the way municipalities could could uh, implement TIF districts so what happened on that bill
1: so that bill um by senator smalley was our last tool for economic development and what it would have done is required all the taxing jurisdictions that were part of the TIF to um have a written agreement to sign off on the TIF. Um, if one party failed to sign the agreement, then we'd have to start all over, have to recalculate the assessment and everything. So it was just a way to stop our uh, last tool we have for economic development. And from,
0: from a municipal standpoint, I mean, that, that, that's a significant change. That's not just, that's not a small difference. And it potentially could have ended TIFs in in a lot of uh, Oklahoma municipalities.
1: Right. And so we defeated that in the full Senate Appropriations Committee. Um, and so that is dead, that language is dead.
0: Okay. Another bill, a uh, Senate bill 11, 1174 about occupational licenses would cap At $25 if I understand correctly and also created some exemptions for occupational licensing what about that one
1: okay well this one is deemed as the freedom to work act and so what it would do it would uh, limit the occupational licensing fee that cities can charge any political subdivision but cities in particular from what we're currently charging down to $25 it would also give an exception for or waive the fees for any military low-income families and things like that. So they wouldn't have to pay any kind of licensing fee. And then it would also, um, any by November 1st, 2018, a city would not be able to implement a new occupational licensing if they didn't already have one on the books.
0: So that would be it what what we have now is all we have. So obviously
1: it would reduce our funding that we get. And so,
0: and that could be detrimental to municipalities in so many different ways. Right.
1: Absolutely. And so it, it did pass, the title was off. So it kind of slows it down a little bit.
0: What are the next steps for that piece of um, legislation?
1: That will then go over to the house. It will have to be assigned to a house committee, probably go to the house um, banking and business uh, committee. And then it th- should pass that. Then it will go to the house floor.
0: But we'll probably be working to keep that from happening. Yes, I'm Yes,
1: so. absolutely.
0: Very good. Okay. So preemption is something that we've been fighting for for years at the Capitol, and it actually seems to be getting worse. And that's when the legislature passes laws that preempt municipalities from being able to govern themselves. And we're seeing that pop up in more legislation. And there's several bills this year that we're working on uh, to to defeat, uh, to try and protect municipalities. Missy, one of those that we're working on right now is Senate Bill 1465. Can you talk about the plastic bag bill, I believe it's called?
1: Yes, uh, Senate Bill 1465 by Senator Lee Wright um, basically prohibits cities from having any kind of regulation or taxing authority over what they deem as auxiliary containers, which are plastic bags, straws, styrofoam cups, you name it. Um, It is a nationwide movement coming from some think tanks outside of Oklahoma, and they're not happening here, but... They could be coming, as we've been told. So.
0: <laughs> but we haven't seen any, if all, uh, few, if any, uh, municipal bodies that are addressing taxing plastic bags or containers.
1: We've had one community talk about it, but n- no other communities have like, taken any action on it.
0: This seems like one of those issues that is more of a California or more of a left-wing maybe state, not necessarily Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, and that is the example that Senator Lee Wright used when he was presenting the bill in committee and on the Senate floor. He just said, uh, when asked, where is this happening, and he kept using the um, cities in California. So um, not here, but again, the threat is coming.
0: Drastically different than Oklahoma Absolutely. in our hometown value. So, so another uh, piece of legislation is Senate Bill 1494, and that would limit our ability to zone B lenders. Can you talk about what B lenders are and how that would impact municipalities? Uh,
1: well, B lenders are, as I've been told, are a little bit different than the payday lenders. Okay. Um, these lenders I basically don't charge like the high interest rate that payday lenders do, but on their loans, um, but B lenders charge a fee and they can charge a, I mean, they can, uh, loan out a higher amount of money than the payday lenders can. Um, again, not really happening here in Oklahoma. Um, we've had maybe one B lender say that one community is trying to, um, keep them out of a certain area and with their zoning regulations. And so, um, again, we're going to have a statewide preemption
0: yeah. okay. So <laughs> I, I get it. I understand that that uh, we're, it, this is falls into that category of it, it's head-scratching to municipalities, yes. why we need a statewide law to tell us where we can zone certain businesses. And right. we've always had the authority to do that. So that's it, very frustrating, I get. so. Now there's a, another one, and you know this, this bill is very special to me, and it's Senate Bill 1374, the dockless bike bill. Talk about dockless bikes and... <laughs> what what this bill would do well
1: senate bill 1374 by senator smalley would allow these companies to come in and drop off these bikes in a community Um, there's an app on your phone that you download to rent the bikes you rent them for a dollar an hour but there's no regulation at the city level Um, so we would not know who was coming in our community dropping off maybe hundreds of bikes and then they're ridden across town and left all over the place. Um, It's been done in Dallas, and from the stories we've seen in the Dallas Morning News, these bikes have been in White Rock Lake, have been left on sidewalks, um, blocking, you know, ADA accessible, you know, places like that. Um, But I also have seen some pictures that you sent us when you were in your recent visit to D.C. So tell me about
0: it. I did. I, I was in our nation's capital, and there are several of these companies there, and uh, got to witness firsthand how, how they operate. And and let me say from the concept of dockless bikes or the concept of rentable bikes, I, I think is great. But not having the power to to um, regulate where, the, where they are and, and, and how they're governed is very frustrating to municipal government. And I did see that firsthand in Washington, D.C. I saw one bike that was literally thrown into a bush in front of me and then spent the rest of the few days kind of counting the bikes as we went by and the majority of them were not parked at bike racks, they were parked in the middle of sidewalks. And I know that the authors of this or the uh, the companies that have come to Oklahoma have said that they are will be cleaning those up and, and keeping order. I saw a lot of bikes, but I didn't see a lot of people out there managing them. And I know that must be frustrating if it's happening in in Washington D.C. at that level. I can't imagine what it would be like in in Oklahoma City. So it is very frustrating. Uh, again, like the concept, but as far as application and not having any authority. And I, I don't. I think another part of this bill that is perplexing to me is that you would have the tourism department as the regulating body they're not traditionally known as a regulate uh, regulatory agency
1: right so. and these companies would have to come in and pay like a thousand dollar fee so it's just one you know thousand dollar fee and then they could be at any community and again department of tourism only regulates state parks and not what happens inside municipalities
0: and it's not even clear at this point if municipalities would see any of that thousand dollars that's correct yeah we would incur all the cost to right. keep these cleaned up correct so. Some of the other legislative issues that we've been working on are with industry partners. One in particular is a small cell deployment bill, which would allow, uh, would allow telecommunications companies, wireless telecommunication companies, to get into municipalities and put smaller antennas in hopes to uh, strengthen their, their networks and, and planning for upcoming 5G technology, which will be coming to cities uh, nationwide here over the next few years. We've been working directly with the telecommunications companies to find a policy that will allow them to deploy quicker, but also allow municipal, municipalities to attain, retain the integrity of their right-of-ways. So the small cell bill, Missy, where is that right now? in the?
1: Well, we actually have two small cell bills. We have Senate Bill 1388 by Senator Greg Treat, who is the uh, Senate Majority Floor Leader, and it has passed the Senate and over in the House. We also have House Bill 2957 by Representative Todd Thompson um, passed the House floor, uh, I think 94 to 2, and is now over in the Senate waiting for committee assignments.
0: And what's the difference in those two bills?
1: There is nothing right now. We're trying to have two pieces of legislation mirror one another. So in case one doesn't pass, we have another vehicle to allow this uh, to happen.
0: And working directly with the, the telecommunications consultants and lobbyists that are at the, the capital. what's your impression of the process so far? On
1: I think it's been a positive uh, process. I mean, I know from visiting with my cohorts from around the uh, country that they did not have as good of a uh, relationship as we do with the carriers. Um, they've also sat down with our municipal electric cities. Um, we've had a technical meeting at, you know, OMPA that was very good. We brought in all um you know grda cities meso cities um, and the carriers and we talked about the technical aspects of the bill and so we're continuing to work um, with our municipal electric providers who have a a few concerns that we're trying to address um, and they've been very good with working with the carriers
0: very good Uh, another a piece of legislation that that we've worked on together with the uh, public safety unions, um, the the PERB bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about what how what got us here because it resulted from the old PERB program and and now we're having to recreate it. So. Right.
1: Senate Bill 1369 by Senator Chris Kidd um, basically is trying to solve a problem with the because the governor vetoed uh, this last session the public employee relations board, uh, sunset bill, which would have extended the, this board for another four years. Um, she vetoed it just because her veto message was just because I can, um, she was trying to, you know, cut government, eliminate $200,000 out of the state budget, uh, by eliminating this board because of that, um, the unions came to us cause they wanted to figure out a solution because the board is no longer present. How do they address certification of unions and what do they do in case there's a dispute, um, with a union and a municipality. And so they've create, they've come up with language that, um, would allow the labor commissioner to certify the unions that's in this, you know, section one, and then in section two of the bill would say, um, if there was a dispute, we would go cities and, and the unions would go to an, uh, FMCS arbitrator list.
0: Now that's something that our municipalities aren't particularly in favor of.
1: No, because this list is normally from individuals, arbitrators that are outside Oklahoma, don't really know Oklahoma law, how cities and towns are funded in this state. Um, And so they tend to be more pro-union. And if they tend to side with a city over a union, then they normally get blacklisted and we never see their name again. Um, What we had in the past um, from 2012 to 2016 was a five member board we had some union representation and we also had municipality representation with a neutral party it seemed to work well we didn't have any problems with it and now that it's gone we haven't seen any problems in the last two years but this will become a huge problem if we have to go outside
0: so so prior to that there was a three member per board but we didn't from a municipal standpoint, didn't have much of a voice on that board.
1: That is correct. So, in uh, we tried for many years to get uh, the board increased from three members to five members, and finally in 2012, the unions gave in and allowed us to have the municipal representation. And again, it worked well. There haven't been a lot of cases in front of PERB, um, and so we we feel like where we are now is fine. Um, but if we had to go back to anything, we would like a five member, uh,
0: and that 2012 bill that was one of your legislative victories that you're saying yes. you worked on many years. So yes. I suppose it's frustrating now to be addressing this issue once again. Absolutely. So, well, hopefully we get a resolution to that. Thank so, you. Uh, another bill that, um, well, this is something that we've been working on for a long time as well, Senate Bill 337, and that deals with Internet use tax. Right. And I know we've met with the Tax Commission. In fact, we met with the Tax Commission today and discussed this. Uh, thats That's been an interesting bill and an interesting evolution. And it, it originated in Colorado, if I am yeah. I believe. So and, go ahead and talk about that. Okay.
1: Thing. So uh, and back in 2014, we passed what was House Bill 2531 by Representative Caldwell, which was our Main Street Fairness Bill. Um, we were missing a piece of legislation that we would ta- call the Colorado model. Mm. Um, and so last year, Senator Holt... Um, Mayor it,
0: Holt. Yes,
1: Mayor, Mayor, <laughs> Mayor-elect Mayor Holt um, introduced Senate Bill 337. Um, it didn't succeed out of the Senate Finance Committee, but uh, this year he transferred it over to Senator Duggar. What this bill does is requires any online uh retailer if they make over a hundred thousand dollars um and they have a lot of sales in oklahoma then they are required to provide a list of those oklahomans that have purchased things online Mm -hmm. and uh, then the tax commission will send them a letter and Try to capture our sales tax force.
0: <laughs> Which we dear, desperately need in, Absolutely. A, in municipal government.
1: So that bill passed the Senate. this; It barely passed out of the Senate Appropriations um, by a vote of 22 to 21. But then this week, it passed off the Senate floor by a vote of 34 to 8. So um, the title is on. It's a live round. We're excited about it. So now we're just waiting to see where it goes in the House.
0: Very good. So we're also dealing with special session right now and recently the legislature attempted to pass some revenue raising measures. Why don't you talk about those for a little bit?
1: Okay. Well, as we know, the, and, Special Session 1, the step-up plan did not pass. And Special Session 2, step-up plan did not pass, or plus A, or I don't know, plan A, plan B. So this, you know, um, week, the Senate totally gutted House Bill 1033XX, because it's in special session, Um, a bill that would have had, was step-up plan light, had the gross production tax, had all this um, incentives, wind incentives and things like that. They've removed that, and instead replaced it with language that would have increased the state sales tax rate from four and a half percent to five and a half percent. And then, um,
0: now that's, that's problematic for our municipalities. I mean, that one cent puts a lot of our municipalities over that magical 10 cent mark on, on sales tax. And I think that that's where we start losing retail business and that's frustrating that they would, and yeah. not, and, and we, we weren't consulted or talked to on this, I'm guessing.
1: No, not at all. And you know, uh, you know, for example, Bristow has a 10.5% sales tax, combined sales tax rate. That's, you know, state, city, and county rate. So it would have made them 11.5%. We felt like it would have pushed a lot of more people to go online, which is also problematic since we don't receive all right. the money for online uh, revenue. Another issue that we was going to be addressed in the second special session was Senate Bill 861, which would have exempted the state sales tax portion on groceries. And it would have still allowed cities and counties to charge it, but it just wasn't clear how that was going to happen.
0: That's just the third rail for municipalities. Anytime they start talking about that, it's we, we have to be wary. I mean, grocery sales tax makes up such a significant portion of municipal budgets all over the state.
1: Mm -hmm. And so anyway, it, it was contingent upon if house bill 1033 passed and we were successful in only getting, well, it needed 36 votes and we were successful in, um, getting a lot of no votes and keeping them locked down and everything. So all they could come up with was 34. So we were, that was, that idea is gone. And now they're coming, trying to come up with another plan. Well,
0: hopefully that they, hopefully they'll come up with something that, that doesn't harm municipalities. We're all in favor of more revenue and trying to find ways to fund teacher pay raises, build roads, and, but they need to be careful about municipalities. Yes. So. Some other big non-legislative news happened at the Capitol this week. Senator Greg Treat my Senator here in Oklahoma City was elected President Pro Tem Designate of the Senate. Greg has always been a great municipal friend, and we look forward to working with him in his new leadership position. And also, uh, former Atoka Mayor Charles and current House Speaker Charles McCall was re-elected to a second term as House Speaker. And then finally, this morning, we actually attended the swearing-in of now former mayor of uh marlow brad Bowles, who is now the representative for district 51. we look forward to working with all of these gentlemen and uh, look forward to bringing you more of these legislative updates as we move closer to the to the next deadlines in april thank you for being with us and thank you missy for being here
1: thank you